Alan Friedman is with us. He is uh, managing director at J.P. Morgan Chase and its tax plan, director of tax planning. Uh, plus, he has served as president of the Congregation Beth Aaron and Teaneck, treasurer of the Orthodox Caucus. And he has one of the most difficult jobs in this entire mission. He's chair of the Talking Points Committee. Alan, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Thank you so much for having me and uh, our fellow uh, NORPAC members. Alan, I have a, a great amount of sympathy for you. I could barely lift this talking <laughs> points brochure. <laughs> and, and you have to chair the committee that put it all together. This is unbelievable what you provide well, for your members. You uh, it, it, it's actually a, a not nearly as difficult as it sounds because we have a terrific group um, and the emphasis is on the chairman. I really just consolidate what everybody said. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot of very vigorous internal debate as to what you should ultimately put in there. You know, uh, it's interesting, and, and, and he brought it up earlier, Congressman Royce. I didn't even ask him about it. Uh, BDS has made it to your talking points for today. We know about I mean, right. We know about it. I mean, obviously, issues like Iran, uh, the PA, uh, a continued its, uh, assistance in terms of security and financial aid to Israel. We understand that those are on the list. It's interesting to me that the BDS movement and its uh, effort to boycott Israel has made it to this list. Uh, could you give us a little bit of information about that, what people would say about sure. the BDS movement to their members of Congress? Sure. Well, first of all, you know, we, we, we had a lot of internal discussions whether BDS should be on there because the frustrating thing about BDS is that it involves largely speech, which, you know, it's difficult from a constitutional perspective to, to outlaw. And so it's not exactly clear that there's an obvious legislative path, but we felt it was so important because of the way it's, it's kind of metastasized, the way it's, it's spread cancer onto American campuses and to American academic organizations to make sure that our leaders... Uh, are aware of how important this issue is. Uh, clearly, the idea of singling out the only democracy in the Middle East, the only one where um, you know minorities uh, and and, and uh, you know everybody has the right to practice their religion, the right to vote, is, is absolutely absurd. Right. And, and yet, it, it somehow seems to have um, spread um, to at least many parts of the country that I never would have thought of. You know, and Yosef Schreiber's here. He may want to comment as well. It's interesting. You know, two minutes ago, as you heard in my voice, I was surprised to see it on the list. As you speak, I'm saying to myself, yes, there down the road could be a congressional role in BDS and its influence. There, there can be. You know, we, we, we actually spent a lot of hours debating internally speaking to uh, the outside, uh, the other organizations uh, that we coordinate with. And, and frankly, you know, it's been difficult to find a good legislative vehicle, um, you know, because, uh, you know, it, 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 at some point you sort of say to yourself, um, do I really want to try to outlaw something and just get dragged through the courts and give these people more free publicity? Right. And so we, we, we find, at least so far, we think the best way to fight uh, BDS is through education of uh, those of us, uh, those uh, of us who are friends of Israel, make sure they're aware of how serious this issue is, and to educate them on all the wonderful things that, um, you know, Israel does, both in terms of how it treats, uh, you know, the members, all members of 
the Israeli population, uh, and in terms of the efforts that it is making to bring peace between uh, Israel and uh, the, the, the Palestinians. Excellent point. Yosef? Well, look, the, the BDS issue for us is very different than the kinds of things we typically do uh, in the sense that there's no legislative ask. But we thought it was very important because BDS is really a wolf in sheep's clothing. It presents itself as a movement to legitimize, to excuse me, to vindicate rights that are not being denied. And what it really is is anti-Semitism. And when we're faced with anti-Semitism, and that's not just me who's recognized that, Per Allmark, former Deputy Prime Minister of Sweden, has recognized it. Even Tom Friedman, who, as we know, is never shy about criticizing Israel, right. has called singling out Israel for international opprobrium. That clearly comes from an anti-Semitic basis. For example, just this past week at Zabar's, you had the BDS people out there protesting in front of Zabar's and saying, don't sell soda stream machines. Now, why do you think they chose Zabar's? <laughs> they chose Zabar's because of Eli Zabar and his brother are Jewish right. and because the store sells to Jews. Did they choose that because it was Israel, because they're criticizing Israel? No, they chose to criticize Jews. Why do you think people who advocate BDS chose to slip eviction notices under the doors of the Palladium dorm in NYU just because that building happens to have a Shabbos elevator. Right. It's not because they're engaged in legitimate criticism of Israel. It's because they're aimed at criticizing Jews for exercising rights that any other ethnic group or country would exercise and would never be criticized for. So when they aim it at Jews, qua Jews, that makes it anti-Semitism. And it's very important for us that our elected officials, who are the leaders in our country, take a moral stand, stand up, be counted, call BDS what it is, anti-Semitism, and put themselves on the line as moral leaders on this issue. Boy, well said, but I guess in your line of work, <laughs> that would be expected. Uh, that's Yosef Schreiber. Alan, uh, is it easier uh, for certain people to go down with a specific bill in mind? Because on your list of talking points, there are specific Senate and House bills, especially as it relates to the Iranian threat to the U.S. and its allies, that people can cite, uh, I guess what we would call, you know, chapter and verse. Is that easier for some people right. as they walk into an office? It certainly is, and I've actually, I'll just sort of take your point in a slightly different direction. What's interesting this year is, especially on Iran, which is, in a certain sense, you know, the, the heart of the issues, of the legislative issues that we want to talk about, it's, it's sort of a strange year, because on the one hand, Iran is never been more in the news than it's been over the last few months, and, and that it will be over the next few weeks. On the other hand, from a legislative perspective, uh, we're kind of in a lull, because... Right. The House already passed a very strict sanctions bill last December. Uh, the Senate has 59 co-sponsors for a very similar sanctions bill, but uh, the administration has put very heavy pressure on the Senate not to bring that to a vote. Uh, and as much as we would like to see that voted on, we think it's not realistic to expect. So what we're really doing, the heart of our ask this year on Iran is to make sure that our congressional leaders remind the administration of key elements that have to be in any Iran agreement. Basically, right. things that will absolutely ensure that the Iranian nuclear program can never be used to threaten any of its neighbors, including Israel, to make sure that um, Iran is subject to 
inspections by the international community, all items that Congress through things like letters and resolutions and previous legislation have signed on to, Congress is the only one that ultimately can lift sanctions on Iran should any agreement ultimately be reached. And so it's critical to remind our legislators that they, in turn, should remind the administration of what the rules of the road are and, and, and what any settlement must, must actually look like. So if there's no specific immediate legislation, but in a certain sense it's more difficult because of that, because it's kind of subtle, saying you got to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that any settlement with Iran ultimately holds up. Are you able to tell specific members of NORPAC, those who are on the mission today, that you have a meeting with this specific senator or congressman today, and it is very important that of all the talking points we provided, that this one you concentrate on with this public official. Is that something that you're able to do with NORPAC? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're targeting, look, you know, as you said, there are 59 senators that uh, have signed on to legislation. Uh, over 400 members of the House have signed on to either uh, a Iran sanctions bill or a letter uh, calling for certain specific steps to be taken as part of any settlement with Iran or both. Um, but it's frankly, there's going to be particularly delicate meetings with 41 senators uh, where we basically have to say, look, I know the president has put a lot of pressure on you right. to not go ahead with it, but we're asking you, please, it's critical that Iran knows right. that um, Congress is watching over his shoulder to make sure that the settlement does what it's supposed to do. Let me let you say, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, huh? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Now, you know, say, and, and so that basically uh, requires persuading them to do something that um, they're not necessarily going to be inclined to do. Um, whether we succeed, we have to see. But it, it, at the very least, we make sure that the Iran issue stays in the spotlight. Because right. uh, it's too easy for, for senators and congressmen to be distracted by other things um, you know, and, and forget about how important their role is going to be in, in perhaps as little as seven weeks when uh, an agreement with Iran might be reached. Let me let Yosef Schreiber expand on this, because you know what I'm getting at, where specific people may be told, hey, you have this meeting, you must concentrate on this today. Well, look, you, you've talked a lot about a 1,000 people coming down right. here today and about the size of the room and the plenary session in which a 1,000 people are going to be sitting here and listening to members of Congress address NORPAC as a group. The meetings that we are going to be doing on the Hill, and as we talked about it before, it's more than 400, are very small, intimate gatherings. Our groups consist of six to eight people that go in and sit with the members of Congress, with the senators, with the congressmen, with their staffs. And in that kind of a very intimate setting where we can have a real heart-to-heart -heart discussion, look people in the eyes and tell them what's important to us, it's very easy for people to prepare specifically for the members for wh with whom they're meeting mm -hmm. and to understand how they have to pitch their discussion to those people. It's not like APAC, for example, where the meeting is with 60 people. Right. Our meetings are very, very close and confidential and very, as I said, they're intimate, they're friendly, we get a very good reception, and having a small group enables us to have a conversation in ways that having large groups or coming down with a lot of people all at once would prevent us from doing. No so we question. get to do both.
Uh, well prepared, that's what I would say. And, Alan, part of the preparation is these talking points. Really incredible. Congratulations to you. Are you going to be enjoying Washington today? Are you going to be down here today? I'm sorry? Are you going to be down here today in Washington? Absolutely. I'm on the bus right now, which is accounts for my having a little trouble from time to time hearing you, but yeah. <laughs> how, uh, how enthusiastic is the group that's on the bus with you? It's very enthusiastic. Look, anybody you know, who's willing to get up at 5 o'clock <laughs> in the morning or 4, four o'clock in the morning, come down, has to be pretty gung-ho about it. And I can't tell you, I, I know others have made this point, I can't help but emphasize this. It makes such an impression when you tell people you got a 1,000 uh, citizen advocates who got up at 4.30 in the morning and slept down to Washington. Uh, it makes a huge impression. No question about it. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to greeting you at the Washington Convention Center. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tuffle. That's Alan Friedman. Yosef, you saw the Talking Points booklet? <laughs> um, I, I, I saw it while it was being written. I, had, I actually had a hand in some of it. Um, they're always well done. Most of that is really kudos to Alan and the rest of the people on the Talking Points Committee. I say you give a special NORPAC recognition to any member who reads the entire Talking Points booklet. That's how voluminous it is. It's incredible. Well, remember, first of all, there's the summary. Right. And many people I like who the can't, summary. Right, they look at the summary. The, the, the more detailed uh, stuff behind it is there for people who want to have more facts and more information. Right. And, by the way, we leave those Talking Points behind. They're not confidential for us. They provide a very good thumbnail sketch of what we're talking about so that the members and their staffs have it with them in their offices and they can use it to refer to both for these and, in fact, if you look at the last page, there's a whole list of references, uh, places on the web where people can go to get more information. It's exceptionally well thought out. It's been that way for years, as I said. Alan does a wonderful job along with many other people. Uh, I'm proud to say I had a piece of some of it. I wish I could claim credit for all of it. I can't, Lori <laughs> Baumel. I mean, these are... Very, very well done. And, you know, look, they're, they're there for a reason, and they're there to make a point, and they do a very good job of that. To say the least. And, by the way, you know, the point is not lost on what was just said regarding uh, people coming from the east and getting up at 4 in the morning and all that. We're yesterday in Washington and, and seeing what's happening in the Senate and the House, and it's obvious that groups from all around this country are coming in, and not just tourists, but people who want to make a difference and want to advocate for their own cause within their own state, etc. I mean, there are people... I'm not minimizing the journey from New Jersey. Believe me, this is quite an accomplishment. There are people from all around the country who really take their role as a citizen very seriously when they come to Washington. Well, that's true. And what I didn't talk about when I was on with you earlier is that although our buses depart from various locations in right. the tri-state area, our organization consists and our delegation that's going to be here today, we have people from 14 different states. We have people from Washington, from Florida, from Texas, from all over the United States. Um, it you know, Robbie Gottesman was sitting here before telling you about right. his Ohio roots, but we have other people actually live in those other states currently, and they meet with their representatives. So there'll be a Texan here today as part of the NORPAC group? Yes, there'll be someone here wearing a NORPAC badge cool. who's from Texas, and we'll probably be meeting with people from Texas. Right. So remember, this is about making relationships that are longstanding. Right. It's about establishing them today and following up on them and following up on them and following up on them. A connection like that is critical. And Mark made the point to me a few minutes ago that uh, there are people speaking to those without a Jewish constituency, to Congress people who are, you know, who may not be familiar with these issues because their constituents don't really bring it up to them. They are also very important to meet with and discuss these issues with. Well, absolutely. And, and also, for example, look, on, on the foreign aid uh, bill, those 75% of that $3 billion is spent here in the United States right. on defense spending. 
Those contractors that do that work for defense are scattered throughout the country in many districts. And the fact is also that the issues that we're talking about are really issues that relate to fundamental core values in the United States, that the United States shares with Israel. And whether you're Jewish or whether you're Catholic or whether you're a Southern Baptist, it doesn't matter what religion you are. If you share those values, then Israel and the relationship between this country and Israel is critical to you and at the forefront of your mind, especially at what's a very difficult time right now for world peace and world safety going forward. No question about it. Uh, call it a vote to you and the entire organization. Uh, as we get closer and closer to this room being filled up, I'm sure you're uh, standing here or sitting here with great anticipation. Uh, I should have asked them what they were up to. What, what exit on the turnpike they're up to. I it, should have asked what it, the, where it, they are at this point. It was going through my mind. I was going to ask him where he is because one thing we always do is we sit here and worry that people aren't going to get here on time, especially when the weather doesn't cooperate right. uh, when the way, like the way it is today. Right, but they're likely somewhere down the turnpike or maybe having crossed over into Maryland already. Oh, at this point, I'm sure they're already in Maryland. There you go. Uh, God help us if they're not in Maryland. <laughs> so they're on their way, and we're ready to greet them here at the Washington Convention Center.